0: what's up everyone welcome back to the real sports science podcast with david and matt we're back for episode number 24 we keep on rolling that's what we do matt how are you doing
1: i'm feeling great and i'm excited for you lot to listen to this one we've got mark harrison on the podcast he's going to speak to us about what it was like going from athlete to student to businessman and then also how he got into business and finally we're going to talk about cmp some of the products that are coming out and also maybe potential collaboration in the future going down to the product Jeez.
0: factory we are so excited for this one so mark harrison will get more into that but he is the managing director of cnp and we've wrangled him in for about 50 minutes of a chat it was unbelievable you know who we are we're the real sports science podcast this is episode 24 let's go something exciting is happening we have a giveaway so i have a box here cnp level up we've got their brand new product that is dropping today full pump that's what it's called so we got the orange thing there's four characters so four different uh flavors (laughs) <laughs> and this one is the or it's called the orange thing. Honestly, I'm so excited to try it, but this one's not for me. This is for you. Whoever wins it full pump, there it is. We've also got a shaker, and this box is gonna be loaded with extra little goodies as well from CNP. So that's exciting. Honestly, this is the 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 debut of this product. It's a non-stimulant pre-workout. So you get all the effects, you get increased blood flow increase oxygen to the blood, improve your recovery, decrease metabolites, but it's a non-stimulant, so you're not buzzing at three in the morning. Do you know how annoying it is going to the gym in the evening and not being able to take caffeine or anything, right? I guess it flattens out your workout, doesn't it?
1: Well, yeah. I've never taken pre-workout, but I think I'm going to break it with this stuff. Honestly, my favorite character is the Kraken, the Cola Kraken, so I think I'll
0: be trying it there. Mine's, Mine's the orange thing. Uh, so I hope it tastes oh, as good. So as you it have looks. to send Does off it, your, you have to send know, it away as well. Oh no! I know, I know. So here's the rules. Here's the rules. This is all going to be on our Instagram as well. So make sure you make sure you follow that to win. Follow us, Real Sports Science Podcast RSS Podcast on Instagram. Follow CNP official, tag two friends, and if you share it, and or comment your favorite character you are going to also get an extra entry. We'll run this for a week. The following Tuesday is when we'll announce the winners on our Instagram. So make sure you get over there. I'm so excited to get into this. Like I'm not a huge pre-workout guy either, but that's because of like the stimulant in most of them. Yeah, I just don't like that feeling. So I'm Mate, fired up. I'm excited to give it a try. Yeah. So who's going to be yeah. that
1: lucky one? It could be you. Who is it? It could be.
0: <laughs> Speaking of being fired up. Your boy finally got a new phone. Let's see it. Go on. So I, Let's see I, it. I don't think I've had a new, an actually new phone ever. Like the newest one, I just picked myself up the iPhone 14 Pro. This thing is a beauty. I was at CrossFit. I was at uh, the CrossFit box, and we were doing twenty three point two tonight. And I was just whipping around taking videos. It has like the new cinematic feature, and it yeah. slaps really it's so sick yeah, yeah. jesus i
1: yeah. guess you'll we'll so, be lots of content coming
0: the way the rss lot coming coming out. Lots of content. hopefully that'll just up the content so we're really excited matt should we jump into the to the interview let's get straight in david let's get straight in let's go We're excited to introduce our fourth guest of the Real Sports Science Podcast. Just like the second guest, there is a maraud of technical difficulties. But we're in, and hopefully we're in for good now. Uh, So, Mark Harrison, thank you so much for joining us. A triathlete, and he's just told me he now only does Ironman's. Um, Only as one, so holds his level two triathlete coach license, has his bachelor's and master's from the University of Lincoln, and then since 2012, uh, has held a variety of jobs within the sports nutrition industry co founder, product development executive. And now he works for CMP, where he was the head of production, uh, product development, commercials, innovations manager, and since 2019, and his current role as a managing. Director uh, Mark, how are you today? Did I get all that right? I hope so.
2: Yeah, some of it feels a long time ago, but uh, yeah, it was. It's all about there. Um, Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, Yeah, let's do this.
0: Really appreciate it. It would be great if you could just give us a bit more of a rundown uh, of you know where you've come from, from being an athlete through to you know doing your doing your undergrad and your masters, and then maybe just a little bit of of what your role is now at CNP.
2: Yeah, sure. So um, obviously, always. Always sporty coming, um, growing up, sporty family. Um, come from Yorkshire originally in England, so it's a very sports heavy county. Um, I think the London Olympics, Yorkshire would have been like fourth in the medal table or something daft like that. Um, so, yeah, big, big kudos for where I come from from that side of things. Um, obviously, then that passion for sport led me to. To studying, wanting um, wanted to take my career down that path, so everything was working towards doing sports science um, at university. Um, did my undergrad, um, but was competing in triathlon heavily at the time, which, as anyone who competes to a reasonably high level knows, it does take over your life. Um, so, my undergrad sports science actually didn't grade out quite as well as I'd wanted because I was too busy traveling around competing um so that's one of the reasons they they said you should go and do your masters because we know you're you're better than what your grade says um so I went ahead um did my master's um it was part funded because of my my competition history um and then left uni, not really knowing what I wanted to do um worked in the events space for a while uh, with men's health survival of the fittest events I uh, used to organize and run them um as long as many other as well as many other events and that background in in competing in triathlon and those events um basically are what brought about the nutrition side of things um I used to compete uh, in my age group for for team g b at triathlon um so I had quite a big network in kind of that endurance arena um especially as a coach as well. And then at that point, there was a a company back in East Yorkshire who sell supplements. Um, it was the guy who started and founded PhD Nutrition, um, a guy called Mark Bowering. Um, he wanted to start an endurance brand of, of supplements. Um, he'd heard through the grapevine that that's something that I could probably help with and um, got in touch with me. And that's kind of how... My first step into nutrition came about because it was, cool, I want to start some products for these people. You're one of these people and you know what you're doing. Can you do it for me? And that was that was day one, basically. Um, so I spent a bit of time there, launched that brand for him. Um, it's one of those things it didn't really go anywhere as a brand, but went through the process um, and got headhunted to go and work for a manufacturing company. Um, in the north of England called Parkacre who no one will have ever heard of them because they're a very much a behind the scenes manufacturing company um, no real front of house market presence at all but working there in product development got to develop products for people all over the world um, got to visit all the trade shows got really kind of into the industry and really into the bubble that the the sports nutrition industry is um, and then got headhunted to come work for for CMP um, as it was at the time as their head of product development. That was seven years ago now. Um, wow. Yeah, and I've uh, it's been a long seven years, but it's, <laughs> it's, there's been a, a lot of ups and downs. But we're here now, and I'm the uh, yeah business director for awesome for a com- company called the Protein Partners um, who own CMP. So it's like yeah. the parent company of CMP.
1: That's amazing, and. I just like to just cut back to the probably the nearly the start of that. You said you did a masters. Were you doing that alongside the competitions because I re, I remember you mentioning that it was quite difficult to do the bachelor's degree and your marks didn't sort of show up whilst you were competing. So I wondered how like the masters would have affected that being a much difficult part of a degree.
2: So I personally I think the bachelor's has more going on in terms of content because there's so many different modules in a in an undergrad um Mm. whereas masters is a lot more kind of defined you pick what you want to do a lot of the time within that subject um and a masters generally doesn't have the same amount of contact time as a as an undergrad degree either so um i actually spread my masters over two years rather than one because i was working full-time with the men's health events and also trying to Hold the last pieces of any sort of triathlon career together, <laughs> whilst doing that. So it was a it was a full on time. But I would say that for anyone thinking of doing a masters, like it's very doable alongside a job, um, and it's probably less stressful than a an undergrad as well because you're you're picking what you want to do. Um, so weirdly, I didn't do nutrition at, um, in my master's degree. I chose to go down the sports psychology route. Um, which was a big part of what I enjoyed and that's something I've always said to people even at like when people are picking their options at GCSE and A level um picking their subjects and stuff like yeah it's good to pick kind of the the high scoring subjects but generally pick something that you're good at because people are going to look at the grades and you're going to want to enjoy the time doing them so
1: yeah, yeah. no yeah you don't want to pick met, like say met. The popular subjects that everyone will look good but then you get like the worst grades for them you're in the like the below average exactly. so it doesn't show I mean, like, for much excel yeah. at what you're uniquely good at at the end of the day
2: yeah i mean if you're if you're good at something ultimately that's what you're going to want to spend your time doing so why not pick that why pick something that you think oh that would look good on a cv because ultimately out of education people only really look at your last job yeah all the time and what you've achieved um okay in more of a vocational sense, um, eventually, um, your subjects that you choose—they generally just get your foot in the door with that first thing. Yeah. Um, so if you do geography or history, but you want to be going, you want to be an econom- like a, an economist, then yeah, you might have got a really good grade in geography. You might think, oh, it's useful, but it's not what you want to do.
0: So <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: yeah very much a tangent already but never mind (laughs) where did nutrition where did that come from did you did that a little bit I'm assuming in the sports science degree yeah probably everyone has a bit of nutrition but then you didn't do to the masters so was that something that you were always kind of interested in or was it more of an opportunity presented itself and then you found that you really enjoyed it
2: yeah I'd say the second one really so the opportunity came about I'd never really considered it um I would say At university, the nutrition side of things was probably quite basic and probably quite kind of general population rather than sports-specific, which sounds weird being a sports science degree. But um, I didn't really enjoy the nutrition side at university. It's more when it became more applied and within a a work-based scene that I Mm -hmm. started to enjoy it Um, because basically you see so many different elements that go into it. Yes, there's a science behind the nutrition and how it affects the body and then how that then can be applied to multiple different sports because a cyclist is going to have to be dealt with completely different to a bodybuilder or a boxer. So that kind of diversity of nutrition protocols is is fun, um, keeps things interesting. But for me, I quickly went down the route of enjoying the development of new products and what goes into that
1: so was there like a an example because like I remember during my sports science degree there was like one strength and conditioning module well sort of like strength power speed module and we it was once again like towards the general public not specifically elite athletes um so we were doing stuff with like putting weights on our arms and like legs to simulate old people and how they feel doing exercises and it just never thought okay this is you know what I'm going to do as a masters but then I remember there was one turning point where we went to an SNC suite at, at my university and then we just did one session like trying to do like teach the Olympic lifting to athletes and I thought okay there you go like and then that's what sparked me to go maybe I do want to do SNC and then from then on I took the next steps to do my masters and then to get a job within the SNC environment so I'm just wondering was there like sort of one example for you that what made you want to go into sports nutrition?
2: Um, I think probably more so from my triathlon competing side of things. Um, obviously, doing endurance sports, the, the nutrition side of things is, is is hugely important. Um, and I probably found a lot of times I would go out training, absolutely hammering myself, and just be absolutely empty. Yeah. Um, so then when I spoke to one of my lecturers about... Um, that side of things, because fortunately he did triathlon as well. Um, So it was quite good to bounce ideas off him. Um, We used to speak a lot about sports science, but from our point of view as triathletes, rather than from that workshop point of view that the rest of your classmates would be doing with you, where you're wearing a fat suit and jumping on a force plate for your biomechanics, or like, you know what I mean? Doing the stuff that they have to include everyone and make it varied, so everyone in the class get something out of it whereas I enjoyed the more specific elements which affected me um so I think that's something important at uni as well is there's always going to be someone on your course whether that's a lecturer or other students that you're on the course with that that share a similar kind of outlook on sports nutrition as you and I think that's always been where I have found my interest is surrounding myself with those people. Obviously, in that case, it was a lecturer and talking about triathlon, but I feel like you push each other along and push each other down routes that you enjoy rather than just turning up to class and being told how to develop strength and conditioning pl- protocols for old people to stay mobile or for um, a pole vaulter to increase the run speed down the the runway sort of yeah. thing. Like, I feel it's important to... Find something within sports nutrition you enjoy, and then make it applicable to what you like doing.
1: Yeah, I guess they're just trying to find making making the three year course or the sports science course so broad that you know hopefully one bit will tick with every student that you know will just find yeah, out what to. makes you if you've tick.
2: You've got fifteen hundred people on your course; they can't just say, "All right, we're just gonna do make this course for that one guy that does triathlon." Yeah, yeah. And you lot all have to go with it yeah. for a whole
1: year. For I'll,
0: a whole year. How dare
2: they? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Um, but no I mean like I said it's good that they touch on so many different subjects because it gives you an idea of what you want to do like I changed my mind so many times during my degrees about what I wanted to do so Mm. there's certain modules I loved the physiology side of it so I was like sweet I want to be a physiologist and then in second year I'd be like oh biomechanics is actually really cool because it's not fluffy it's it is what it is Yeah. yeah and then Um, eventually, when you have to write 10,000 words about something, sports psychology becomes very, very attractive (laughs) because it's all opinions and testing (laughs) things. And, yeah, third-year sports psychology really uh, came into its own. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. But that applies to everything as well. So sports psychology is always one that generally gets a lot of popularity behind it because it's such a big thing, especially, like, Mm. the mental side of things in this day and age. Are like huge, a huge topic, and I think people are learning to enjoy that side of things more as well
0: yeah. and it helps when you're trying to get people to uh to buy your product to know how the mind works as well <laughs> I mean we didn't learn anything about that, but oh dang it there's definitely a few <laughs> uh, few resources out there where you can <laughs> <laughs> so we want to get into the because you obviously went sport academic and then into business um, but but before that you mentioned that you i mean your cv has so many different jobs you know starting from 2012 and how important were those jobs at the beginning that you look back at, and maybe in the jobs like you said you know it didn't really work out how you wanted to and you moved on but looking back how important were those first jobs and especially the jobs that maybe didn't go as planned how important are those now to you uh, I mean, looking they're, back they're huge
2: the- because you always learn something from something whether it's from something going wrong or something going right, you always learn from it. If And the important thing is remembering what you learn um, rather than just palming it off and moving on. So obviously working in the event space, it has nothing to do with sports nutrition, really. It's got nothing to do with business, really, from the parts that I was doing. But I got to work under pressure with over 10,000 people coming to do an event. So like, it had to be right. Um, you also had to deal with people in situations that you generally might not like um, and learning to kind of harness these skills that you come up against um, is huge because then you go to your next job and when something comes about you always deal with it slightly better each time um, people who don't do that generally stay at a level as long as you use what you've learned to do things better each time, that's how you end up progressing in your career. And the entry-level jobs are generally, like, the bullring of your career sort of thing. That's where you get tested and you are the workhorse being asked to do all these menial tasks. You are the one that's kind of having to have some of the shitty conversations um, with people. Um, And they're kind of... It's like doing your time as an apprentice, really. Um, And I think people come out of university, I mean this is going to be a bit of a generalisation, but there's a lot of people that come out of university and expect to just walk into a job that pays 50k and have a manager after the title and stuff like that it's like, your degree doesn't get you a job, you get yourself a job, your degree kind of gives you a few bells and whistles and a fair bit of obviously applicable knowledge but it doesn't generally tell you how to apply that knowledge you'd learn that by getting stuck in um i'm going to use it an is
1: example one... Ooh, yeah sorry sorry it is one hell of, of a dreamer, dream though to be able to dream yeah. of that 50k isn't it um but yeah
2: yeah i mean that's it's always good to have something to work towards but just not to expect it um, yeah. so an example being there's a guy called josh who works here he's um now head of supply for the whole business for me um but he was at Liverpool John Moores University doing um, sport and exercise nutrition. Um, should probably have him on here. <laughs> but he, uh, he had to do a, a one-month work placement in his final year. Um, so he approached us, said, can, can I do it with you guys? And I was like, yeah. Interviewed him just to make sure he wasn't an absolute no-hoper. Um, and uh, he seemed to have a bit about him. But at the end of that interview, um, he said, Mark, do you mind if we use this four-week placement as a working interview? Obviously, he was do- doing it for free. He had a month work placement there, no cost to my business whatsoever. And it's a win-win for me. If he is rubbish, then great. Well, I helped you out with your placement, but it's not going to go anywhere. Um, he's put himself forward saying, at the end of this, if I impress and do a good job, is there a job for me? Um and he did, he he did really well. And like I said, he ended up being product development exec, then moved up to product development manager. And I think four years he's been here now and he's head of supply for the whole business. Um, and it's just from applying yourself, but also putting yourself out there in a sensible way. He knew that talking to me in that way meant that there's no risk to my business taking a punt on him and giving him that opportunity. Whereas if someone comes in saying, oh yeah, I want a job, um. I'm looking for 30K. I want to be able to do this, that, and the other. You've just got to go and show businesses what you could bring to them and show them how, much, how little a risk you are as well. Um, right. Because little risk with a big reward for a business, that's like the perfect yeah. scenario. <laughs> um, and I think having a lot of these entry-level jobs is about that. It's about making yourself valuable. Um, to whatever job that is you're in um, and you make yourself valuable by putting yourself in the thick of it um, doing things you maybe don't want to do, volunteering f- to things that you you maybe wouldn't want to do either um, yeah. I think there's always kind of been a, a way of working that I've had which I don't do as much now because of the position I'm in but when I was at that entry level um, part of my career it's kind of a Always run towards danger. Um because something's kicking off. I mean, danger, but you know what I mean. Like if something's kicking off somewhere in the business, or if there's something going wrong, or there's a bit of a catastrophe going on, something's not arrived on time, website's gone down, whatever it is, don't be the person to stand back and be like, oh shit, have you seen what's going on there? Even if you don't don't know what you're doing you've got no experience in why that website's down, just go to whoever's fixing it and say, how can I help? Yeah. Like, can I hold your toolbox while you're under that car fixing it? Like, just go towards danger because that person then knows you're reliable, you're willing to put yourself out there, and you might learn something because all of a sudden you're on the shoulder of someone who should be an expert in fixing whatever problem's going on.
1: And I think... Have you said something... That? You said something really key earlier as well. Um, By putting yourself out there, it's not only a great opportunity for the business, but it's a great opportunity for yourself to see if you actually want to work there. So that four-week, I mean, a CV, when you apply, a CV just shows one page. You know, there's no personality. Well, you can put a bit of personality, but it's not going to be as good as four weeks because say you're four weeks there, you get to build relationships. You get a chance to actually get to know the company. So you get to offer, as you said, all your services and put in those hard yards to then get that working job instead of just being shut down immediately. But also you get to say, if you turn up and you go, you know what, these four weeks, I've learned a lot about myself, a lot about the company. And I just don't think my beliefs or values or I don't feel like it doesn't make me tick in that way. So maybe, you know, I don't fit within that company instead of say you get that job. You're four four weeks in. You're like, well, I'm stuck here for now. And then you're not enjoying. And then it's no it's bad on you and it's bad on the business. And both parties aren't benefiting from anything, really.
2: Exactly. I mean, everything works two ways. Mm. Um it's it's always important for the business to be happy with the people that are there, but the people there are only gonna deliver if they're happy being there, if you see what yeah. I mean. Um, yeah, yeah. So as part of that kind of early part of your career, you should it's a perfect time to use that time of your life to suss out what you want to do because that time of your life generally you've got probably the the least amount of risk that you're ever gonna have. Yeah. um most people have at least a their childhood bedroom still knocking around when they're at uni if they need to move back home like there's a... <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. he's talking to you, you know david I mean, yeah. <laughs> it it's literally the the time where you can afford to take risks and try things and if it don't work out like it's fine to move away from them as well um yeah i mean I'm obviously in the position I'm in now. I'm actually quite far away from that. Like I haven't got kids or anything, but like I've got a mortgage. I've got 50 yeah. um, odd staff. I've got like, I can't just think oh, I'm going to go and sell deck chairs <laughs> in Thailand. Actually. <laughs> like, yeah, I've got
1: responsibility go remote, here. Remote, remote here comes the gap. Here. Or
0: something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. So basically you're saying do your time. I like what you said of, you've, you know, you come out of university, don't expect fifty fifty 50 grand right off the stop but have that as your goal and work toward it because i think also you know you could get i'm not getting 50 grand and then you get an entry level position but then don't learn from that and don't move forward and like you said the people that don't learn from past jobs are the ones that could usually just end up staying and then and then don't work up up the ladder yeah on that as
2: well i'd say don't let money be the motivator i mean i know that's why everyone works is to earn money right but right you can earn a lot of money doing something you hate and you're never going to get that time back. Um, I mean, there was a big thing at university when I was there about Aldi, who apparently their grad scheme was like the thing that everyone wanted to be on because they paid like 40k straight out of uni on a grad scheme with a company car, all that sort of stuff. I'm it was good. like, everyone was like, that sounds mint. Um, yeah. But I know three people who ended up getting on that thing and they all quit within months because it, they just hated it the the culture was bad um the hours and the expectations that it would be put under um were bad like the company car yeah great but we expect you to drive up and down the country all week and live out of hotels yeah. like <coughs> you've and got there's... to have job satisfaction and then you'll get good at that job then because you'll enjoy doing it and then the financial elements generally fall into place because you were doing a good job
1: and that the big thing as well is like I'm guilty of this as well. I mean, coming out of university, I I, I knew in the S&C environment, you got to put in those first one, two years in order to sort of get that financial sort of reward. And I remember a lot of the my classmates from school, they all did business degrees. And I always I – was, I was guilty of just looking to the sides of me and just seeing, okay, this guy's just come out with 20, 30 grand jobs started. And, you know, it was it was quite – it was quite <sighs> – just weighed the toll on me a bit because i was there like okay geez okay struggling to you know all of this all this but then as soon as i say turned up at the rugby field get some s and c done i would the whole day would just be completely fixed and i'd just be the happiest ever because i thoroughly enjoyed what i was doing and i'd forget about that so now that i've been able to reflect on that i just you know i just go into every day thinking you know at least i'm doing what i love i'm just so happy to run around and yeah just yeah you, i mean
2: time is more valuable than money
1: yeah it's gonna sound
2: proper like deep now but like you can always earn more money you can never get more time back
1: yeah and i think that's
2: a very good way to live is just having that thought in the back of your mind because Mm. yeah you can if you go and buy a really expensive car like yeah you can you can sell it you can earn that money back whatever great but Mm. if you yeah it's so interesting
0: you're not the first person who's who said that uh that i've heard saying that it's so interesting to hear it keep coming up because there's a young young professionals who are not rolling in it who are like oh man heating has gone up by 10 quid i don't know if i can do that um you know it's so interesting to hear that and i think it's always a good reminder um to hear that as well
2: yeah Uh, i mean i'm in the position i'm in now but i would say Like everyone says, oh yeah, I don't have regrets because I I am where I am. All this sort of stuff. I wish I'd done more when I was younger. Like I'm only thirty three, but I wish I'd done more before I had all the things tie me down in business. I wish I'd gone buggered off to America, travelling for a a year. This sort of stuff. Like career, great, but you've got years for your career. Like, do some do some cool things before you get fully immersed in it. I would say
0: speaking of getting fully immersed you're fully immersed in cnp now (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) and and i'm curious to what drew you to cnp in the first place and and what what excites you about it um we'll, we'll start there so it's it's what
2: i would term as a legacy brand um it's been around a long long time it's probably one of the oldest brands in the sports nutrition industry in the uk it's kind of always been a household name for anyone that's known supplements and um, when the opportunity came about to to come work for them I really wanted to work for a brand um, so that I could bring products to market and see them on a shelf somewhere or see people using them whereas previously working for just a manufacturer you don't really get any involvement in the downstream element it's just make a product and it's gone make a product and it's gone um, obviously, CMP's got a long history of of working with elite sport. Um, used to work with Team Sky in the cycling arena and British cycling. Countless boxers um, swore by CMP. Um, got a photo of um, that famous photo of Ricky Hatton and, and Mayweather squaring up um, in Vegas, just out on the wall out in the office with the person splitting them up is Kerry kays who started CMP. Wow. Um, and the CMP logo is there for everyone to see. Um, obviously, Tony Bellew, the uh, the boxer from Liverpool, and countless other athletes. Like There was a point in the early 2000s where I think 60-odd of the 72 football league teams were all buying CMP. Um, yeah. Not being yeah. given it like football teams get now, but they were buying it. Um, because of the reputation that the products had, um yeah. it was always always seen as a, a premium brand yeah. Uh, yeah. with great formulas so yeah. from a sport science point of view wanting to bring good products that are well well formulated that mm-hmm. that was always a big a big draw for mm-hmm. from that point of view
0: mm-hmm. and so where do you see it going um uh, Actually, before before I say that before I say that, and Matt's gonna come back in a second. Um, <laughs> no worries, I thought he dropped out, f- froze there, but yeah, he'll be back. Um, you talked about like working with football teams and a lot of sports. A big thing nowadays is informed sport, um, and <laughs> and CMP doesn't have inform informed sport, correct? Uh, it used to. It, it used to. That's right. It used to. And I just wanted to get kind of your opinion on that and. And why they made that decision um, a- and what you think of that, you know, Informed Sport obviously has a place. Yeah. But, but d- Controversial opinion coming up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, so Informed Sport was born out of a horse testing facility. Um, to my knowledge. Um, where it was to stop people basically artificially enhancing horses for racing. Right. Um, The lab that they have is called, um, I won't say the name of it, but there is a lab that is the actual testing facility. Um, Informed Sport is the marketing front of house face of that.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: So you can go and get your product tested by the lab without having to have prog- Informed Sport on it right? so you can go to the lab and spend 400 quid on a test to prove that it's not got any banned substances in it without having to pay all the license fees for Informed Sport because that is right. a brand Informed Sport ultimately is a brand which people right. put the logo on the product so that people know that it's been tested for, for banned substances Right, um, right Obviously, when people get caught for using banned substances, they don't want to say, I use banned substances knowingly. They don't want to Mm. say that, oh, yeah, I've been using pharmaceuticals. They just Mm. think, what can I blame? Oh, I I take this protein shake. Maybe maybe it was that. that." Um, Supplement and sports nutrition manufacturers don't handle those sorts of things like it's a food factory like supplements are food products so the question i always ask when when someone asks if some if our chocolate protein is informed sport i would ask them if they get their chicken breasts uh, tested by informed sport like do they get their um i don't know powdered gravy when they're having their sunday dinner is that tested by informed sport like it's just a food product. All, all, all whey protein is, it's just milk, basically. It's just protein-enhanced milk. There's no specific magic dust that's put into it. Um, if a supplement company was going to be putting um, banned substances, performance-enhancing substances, into their products, they would cost a hell of a lot more than 40 quid for two kilos of protein or 25 quid for a pre-workout. Like right. It's just not a thing. Um so I refuse to kind of test our products for banned substances because I'd be I'm just testing for something I know the answer to. Right. Like it'd just right. be to for a marketing purpose for sure. people in armed forces that are told it has to be informed sport, otherwise we don't um condone using a supplement. And it's like, well, you're just cutting off half of the well, more than half of all supplements to mm-hmm. people in the armed forces just because they've not paid
0: to have a logo on it. And I'm sure it's not cheap either. I'm sure that's an expensive process to go through. The yeah, to, I mean, our, uh, factories, like...
2: our factory, we have brands that we manufacture. So the Protein Partners business, of which TMP yep. is a brand of, we manufacture right. probably 50 other brands in the UK and across okay. the world. Some of those brands do get Informed Sport logos put on okay. their product. So. Our factory's already approved by informed Sport. We just don't pay for the marketing crap.
1: <laughs>
2: um, so interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of them though. But I understand why people get scared because if people don't have the understanding, yeah, of course they're going to think sure. influencer or scary things that might have like everyone's mum when you started using creatine thought it was drugs.
0: That is so accurate. So, if I took two protein shakes a day, my mom would start getting concerned. Mm.
1: <laughs> What's next, trend? Yeah, you, you know, like <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's my informed sport kind okay. of opinion. Is it's a mar- it's first and foremost it's a marketing thing, born out sure. of scaremongering, but unfortunately, it does have a place because people do worry and don't have the information and understanding of how factories work i guess
0: yeah yeah and i guess i mean it comes back to just educating people of of what it actually is and you know yeah. what what is whey protein like where you know or even just the thought the the idea of or the thought of if if we were to put peds into our whey protein powder you'd be you'd be spending hundreds of quids for each kilo and not you know, not 40 quid. So even <laughs> exactly. that it's like, I didn't even think of that. I'd be like, Oh yeah, that's true. Like that just a, a business wise, that makes no idea, no sense. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. So you know, that was, that was, I'm glad I asked. I wasn't I feel... sure about it, but I'm, I'm glad. You just I can we take a little
2: work. break to say the, thanks for sponsoring the podcast Inform form <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's right.
0: That's right. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, yeah. I feel like that's with everything though in life. Everyone just sort of reads the headlines And just makes their own assumptions and then bang, you know, you've got opinions that really don't have any value to it because they haven't read the full story. So, you know, everyone says that, Oh, it's not informed sport. I'm not touching the thing where you you don't actually understand the whole process Mm. that comes behind all of that extra and the marketing and, it just, yeah.
0: Do you think, do you think informed sport has more of a, a maybe of higher importance when it goes to products that aren't your standard, like whey protein or electrolyte waters, things like CBD oils or what about like pre-workouts and things like that? So obviously pre-workouts
2: is, is the one, isn't it? Let's be honest. That's the one where, yeah, where things become gray. Right. Um, but even then like they would be mega expensive if you put any performance enhancing banned substances in mm. um so i think the level that pre workouts have like, if you see a pre workout go on sale for like 80 pounds then you think well what what's in that that makes it 80 quid then maybe there's some weird like compound ingredient on there that you think actually that doesn't look too legit um mm. And stuff like Sams, uh, pro hormones, those type of kind of muscle building off the shelf supplements. Them, I do think they need to be carefully looked at if people are competing in a in a tested environment. Um, because obviously there's some stimulants that you get, for instance, in pre workouts, um, bitter orange peel extract, so Citrus aurantium, that. Can have a um, trace element of sinophrine within it, which is why it's used in in pre workouts. The issue that you have is that if you use proper citrus orantium, it's fine. Like, even the trace amount of sinophrine that you might get from it is never going to have an enhancement effect. Like, it's it's just not. The problem comes where. Sorry. Tell again.
1: To cut you off, Cinnafine. What is uh? Like Cinnafine, it's, it, it's, yeah.
2: it's a it's a stimulant basically. It's a it's a. Okay. Yeah. Um, the problem you have is that companies might want to bring out a pre-workout that absolutely sends people off their tits, and actually put Cinnafine into it, but label it right. as bitter orange or citrus or antium, And oh, That's okay. where. I don't. I mean, if you use a trusted manufacturer or a trusted brand, you're never going to have that issue. But it's more these kind of basement brands that you get that just pop up and then disappear. Um, these brands where if you if, if, if you find it hard to find the nutritional panel on a product, then generally stay away from it um, because you you don't know what's in it. It's either going to be really really bad and overpriced, or it might have something naughty in it. Um, right. So. That's where a, a lot of the the worry comes from from pre workouts. is if people are actually putting the thing in there and labeling it as something that isn't the thing. Um, right,
0: right. But then I guess again, like, everybody knows that pre workout is the the one that might be called into question. Yeah, and if, I mean you have bodybuilders. If you're burners. not taking pre workout and you're just just you know putting weight into your into your body, then yeah yeah i mean you
2: have bodybuilders who compete in tested federations they they have to be careful sometimes with which pre-workouts they take because it might contravene some of that federation's um banned substance list um so and i think especially in bodybuilding where everyone tries all sorts of products it's easy to be like oh yeah my mate is at the gym and he's Saying, oh, do you want to try this pre workout? It's really good. And taking a sip. And they're like, actually, what's that got in it? Yeah. It might be legal on paper, but not legal for the federation they're competing in or the sport they're competing in.
0: Um, So, So how how important then is education for CNP moving forward, or not even moving forward, all the time, of educating, especially athletes? Because that's obviously a huge population of people that supplement or use supplements and a huge kind of target audience. Uh, how do you educate or how important is that education to make sure that they know that this is a viable product and a qual and a product of a high quality, even though it just, just because it doesn't have that sticker on, it doesn't mean that they can't use it. So from
2: us, like I want people to become educated about, about supplements. I want people to understand ingredients and products, but I think there's better people out there to do that than us as a brand. We we've got, A factory to run we've got products to bring out we've got quality standards to keep to so we always come get audited by all the top standards for for quality and we always shout about that in terms of like teaching people about what certain ingredients do and what ingredient dosages to take and stuff we're always here to help but i think the world now has that many resource um, platforms out there that do that job better than we could that I'd rather people use use those ultimately. I'd love to be the person that puts all that knowledge out there, but there's better people than us doing it. Um, what we're good at is bringing out really good products that taste really good, that people can afford. Um, yeah. We've changed the way that we, we kind of operate as a brand. Yeah, we still bring out really high-quality formulations um, that are really kind of useful for for a variety of sports but we have started to take the brand a bit more mainstream um to get more people buying into the brand not because we need more customers but it that's a bigger market for us to to service there are right when you run a factory you've got a hell of a lot more costs to to cover um this is business mark now rather than sports science mark sorry but um in order to cover all these costs, obviously a factory here that many other brands in the in the country use to make their products, if for us to keep this going, we need those overheads to be covered. So we need to diversify and go after a wider audience rather than being really specific, saying we're just going to work with really heavyweight bodybuilders or professional athletes. I want us to be able to bring products out that, that service the people who go to the pure, pure gym for four days a week sort of thing all the way up to... Stage bodybuilders, but there are other brands out there, which I'm happy to happy to admit that will service the niches better, um, sure. and they do the specific knowledge element really, really well. So, right. for instance, bodybuilding wise, you've got trained by JP nutrition. Um, I, think, I think his resource now is is the biggest UK resource for for bodybuilding content um, in the UK.
0: Mm.
2: He goes after that niche of bodybuilders and especially heavyweight bodybuilders so he can provide the content for those guys um for us my my emphasis on bringing out safe products um products that people like to use because they get a good effect from them and they enjoy drinking them or eating them from a flavor and texture and that point of view um and bring out simple products that work but don't break people's wallets at the same time. So we've got a new product coming out, which I can't say exactly what it actually, when's this going to get like put
0: out? (laughs) That's true. Maybe earliest would be next Tuesday. Okay. So we've got a
2: new product coming out. Um, it's a, yeah, it'll go live on the final weekend of February. Um, and it's called full pump. Um, it's a pump stimulant free pre-workout. um, and it's uh, it goes alongside Full Tilt, which is our stimulant pre-workout. So, sure. yeah, nice, simple, sure. understandable name.
1: From David's camera, it looks like he needs both, eh? <laughs> oh!
2: <laughs> but we've, when, when we've formulated products, obviously, we want to pick just like four or five really good ingredients that are in good dosages, which means that they'll have a good effect, get the flavor right, but it means commercially they're going to work for everyone who's involved as well. It'll work for us, although we earn the least out of this in in this chain, but it'll work for us in terms of our margins. It works for a distributor who then sells to a shop, who then sells to a customer. Obviously, we need to make it commercially viable that customer's not having to pay 40 quid for a pre-workout. And everyone upstream of that gets to earn a little bit of money to run their business. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're very much conscious of trying to keep the market going by making the product commercially viable, but equally not devaluing it where the customer doesn't get a bad product. Because there's a yep. lot of bad products out there, let's be honest, just that are there to make money. Mm-hmm. We kind of... Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of products out there that are very, very good, but fail because they're not commercially viable. Um, right. And again, another little tangent. So there's a a project that went on once... Um, I can't remember where I was at, but it was a project that I was working on. Um, and uh, we let a lot of the sports scientists, nutritionists, say, right, there's the brief. Say it was a energy drink pre-workout thing. Make make the perfect product. So they went off, science heads on, made the perfect product in terms of which ingredients, what dosages, um specific forms of ingredients so like using a bisglycinate magnesium rather than an oxide for instance for bioavailability etc etc um their product brilliant on paper i think the cost price of it was about 44 pounds for a pre-workout energy supplement (laughs) bear in mind then you think of all the people that have to make a little bit of money to actually make that product viable as well Mm. Consumer would have had to have paid like 75 quid or more. Well, Well, then they're
0: wondering if there's PEDs in it. Yeah. (laughs)
2: Because it's Um, so expensive.
0: (laughs) So there's always got to be a balance
2: between the the perfect product on paper from a science point of view and the commercial validity of a product to make sure it actually reaches the market and stays in the market. And that's That's why you'll see a lot of brands, rather than putting pump brain and stimulant ingredients all in one pre-workout they'll bring out three separate products that hit different Mm -hmm. targets because then they're more commercially viable consumers can buy two and put them together they can just buy one it it's having that balance and that's something that the sports science element is brilliant because it gives you all the knowledge you can have conversations with people you can teach people about ingredients you know which things are going to work for different people but having that experience and understanding of real world to know how to apply that knowledge in a way that it will actually get seen by the world and get mm-hmm. used by mm. consumers and stuff that's mm. that's the magic formula in this industry ultimately because you can bring out the best product in the world but it will fail in terms right. of the marketability of it and the costing but then you can bring out a really crap product that works but then people find it out because they're like well I'm paying, yeah, I'm only paying 10 quid for this product, which is really good value, but it's basically just sugar and flavoring. Like, <laughs> you
0: know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a balance. So business, business, business mark aside, what's the next big thing What in sports nutrition? What next product is, is going to blow people's minds?
2: So there's a big biohacking scene out there in America at the minute of people trying to inc- like reduce their metabolic age. And I think right. it's never going to be a general population product, but I do think that's a little bubble that's going to appear. It probably already has appeared, but it's not really reached the UK properly yet. But I do think yeah. that kind of metabolic age reduction, kind of live longer, undo some of the damage you've maybe done to your body in the past um, by sure. living it. A bit hard, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's that's got legs. Um, I think there's always going to be. It's kind of rumbling along, and it's already kind of started. But I think the sleep sector is going to be huge as well. Um, everyone's sure. buying the little I've... sleep app, getting the sleep apps downloaded, and wearing their the um, the rings on their finger and whatnot to measure their sleep. So the, the sleep element, to... I think, is is going to be a, a thing that anyone can get involved with as well. It's not sports specific. It's it, everyone in the world will be, do better from sleeping, more, not more, but better. Um, hmm. So I think that that's a a big part of the the nutrition market that will get focused on. Um, there's obviously a really boring part of it, which is a, active aging and mobility. It's very boring, but science-wise. But everyone's going to yeah. need it. Yeah, everyone gets old. There are more yeah. old people in the world now than ever.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, there's two There's two massive podcasters that pop to mind, you know, longevity. I'm not sure if you've listened to David Sinclair or if you've heard of him before. He's one that just talks about longevity to massive extent. Like, he's very in it and he just offers tips. And another one about sleep is Andrew Huberman, um, which I think is more you know a bigger name known around the world who just talks about all these little tips and tricks and especially just talking about one podcast on you know talking about blue light you know blue light filters and then how to just increase your sleep environment and they're both really really interesting and they're creating getting a lot of traction right now because it's not sort of specific to the athlete it's specific to everyone and everyone can get involved in this one thing um, that will better their lives no matter the age or metabolic age in a way and
2: it spreads across different markets as well so yeah you've got the nutritional element of helping with longevity you've got stuff like your light glasses you've got technology with your your whoop bands and aura rings and stuff you've got it you've got footwear like people talking about like wearing your vivo barefoot shoes to increase your flexibility and your mobility in your in your legs and stuff and I think that is the new the new thing that's going to be coming about and ultimately the people with disposable income to buy those sorts of things are a bit older as well. Mm-hmm. So in terms of where I think science and especially nutrition and other little things around it are going to be putting a lot of focuses from a business point of view, that demographic that have money to spend but also it it's a big market. Um, so why would scientists not put the time and funding towards the big wins um rather than the niches so yeah i mean that's i guess sleep falls into that as well so i guess yeah terming it longevity is is probably you've probably nailed it on the head with that
0: that's that's awesome before we go into quick quick fire questions we have one more one more question that we'd love to ask and that's we didn't talk too much a bit about the business side and and you kind of um transition from academics into business and kind of mixing those two but but for people who are in nutrition which i think there's or any really sports science there's a whole business side of things as well what would be some tips that you would give people that um are looking into getting into the business side of their science of their sports science and maybe just don't have a business background
2: i mean there's a the first one is, is very obvious, but probably the most important than any, is money makes the world go round. Um, you might have the best ideas in the world. Again, like I mentioned about that that product development yeah. project that happened, you have to understand that businesses only exist to earn money and pay people. Right. So people are there. Football teams don't exist really. Uh, not That's a bad example, because clearly they exist to to provide entertainment. But most businesses um, are there because someone at the top is trying to make a successful business that makes money, but equally it's staff there that need paying um, and bills that need pain. So you always have to understand that every action in a business needs to have some sort of view on a return on investment. So... For instance, if you're going to approach a business to work there, what are you going to bring to the table? Because it, they're not doing going to do you a favour by hiring you. You need to kind of see what you can deliver for them. And that's what they generally businesses need to look at with everything. So if we're going to spend money on going to an exhibition, what are we doing that for? It's because we want it to earn us more money out of the back of it um get the brand seen by more people um and i think any business related thing even though sports science is the love for it it has to work commercially what you're doing so you can't start a sports massage business for instance and not earn money to keep yourself in business to keep doing it if you just went out and gave free massages everywhere for the love of sports science, you're not going to do it for very long. Um, yeah. If you go and, right. like, people who want to be a physio in a football team, like, that's a, not a very high-paid job because mm. it just isn't. So you need to... Mm. There's, It's a balance, again, between doing something that you love and bringing your sports science application to it but understanding that in order for you to keep that thing going, it's got to work for the business that's employing you, whether it's someone else's business or your own. Um, right. So that's one. Always, unfortunately, as boring as it sounds, keep your eye on, on the money side of things. Um, and then in terms of progressing in business and making a career of it for yourself is, I don't know I've said it before, but run towards the danger, I would say. So regardless of whether you know how to fix it or not, just be there. Um, if something's if there's an issue or something's going wrong, you don't even have to do anything. Just offer to help, because they might all all yeah. they might need you to do is hold hold the toolbox for them or kind of hold the ladder. You know what I mean. But you're there. You experience it. They then associate you as someone that gets stuck in, and then if something goes wrong again they're going to look around to the people that they trust and you're going to be on that list. And then when mm-hmm. it comes to opportunities within business, it, mm-hmm. maybe it's a work trip to an expo across halfway across the world, they're going to take people that they want to take. Um, if there's a promotion that comes up, tell you what, if so if there's a promotion came up here and I've got two people um, going for it, one might be 10% more qualified but the other one's got ten percent better attitude. I'm taking attitude rather than skill. Yeah, and I think that's.
0: I'm writing that down in caps. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> you can, you can teach skills, but you can't really teach attitude.
1: Hmm. Mm. Comes from within, eh? Yeah, so... that's
0: that's unbelievable. Um, what? Uh, that's a great way to end it off. <laughs> we really appreciate you coming on. We do have quick fire questions, it's all right. which, which will be a good time. Go. No, we really, really appreciate that. I think I'm going to have to watch that a few times just to glean all all of that information that that you gave us. We really appreciate your time.
2: Understand the accent as well.
0: <laughs> well mine,
2: you understand mine or yours? <laughs> mine, mine. I'm losing mine, Mike. I loved having my Yorkshire accent, and the more time I've spent up in Cheshire, it just keeps getting. Oh,
1: I'm losing it. <laughs> losing it that's funny that's awesome so i'll go quickly with the we've got five quick fire questions um i'll just obviously take a moment to digest the question and then just give (laughs) the answer as quick as possible so uh we'll start it off nice and easy if you could only take one thing with you on a deserted island what would it be um
2: Cool box full of beers. To be honest, sorry, CMP. Oh, there a cold you go. Beer on a desert <laughs> island. Come on.
1: <laughs> yeah, that does sound good. Enjoy it whilst yeah. you're there. If you could win an Olympic gold medal, what would you want to? What, what would you want it to be in? Um, oh, it's got to be triathlon. Yeah. There you go. I thought that would be the. But actually, <laughs> if you could. No, take... I've, I've jumped into
2: that. I've jumped into that. Like. <laughs> Hundred meter track in it
1: oh nice there
2: that's you go true. that's an
0: iconic thing to win that'd be unreal and unfortunately like
2: no one's if saying you- the twenty 25- forty 40k race walking
1: are they <laughs> just going like that speed walking down there man their, um, their hip you-
0: mobility though is off the charts oh
1: yeah <laughs> if you could teleport anywhere right now where would you go um probably that desert island with them bucket of beers (laughs) (laughs) nice nice that's great what object do you lose the most keys like i mean i don't know where they are
2: right now they'll they'll be somewhere (laughs) but you ask anyone in that office if they've had my keys just left on their desk they'll be like yeah
1: (laughs) daily daily and then what's your favorite cmp item to finish it off
2: um I would say I've got two. One's a proper answer and one's a daft answer. So Go ahead. in terms of product, which is the proper answer, CMP peptide is just like, as a product goes, it ticks every box. Any athlete would use it and benefit from it because it's a blend of protein. So you can use it post-workout. You can use it pre-workout. You can use it before bed. Um and it delivers like 60, well 50 odd grams of protein per serving, which is like blows most other proteins out of the water. And the quality of the proteins yeah. that are in it are really, really high. Um, the other, the other favourite um, CMP thing is our CMP van, <laughs> 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 because it's nearly done 300,000 miles. Oh, it sucks. The number plate is one CNP. which so the number plate's worth more than the van. <laughs> but it's just a little it's a plucky little van it gets us everywhere it's taken us to events like
1: it's just a trooper. A, it zooms right past all the aldi vans it's just them. a
2: trooper it's just an absolute yeah. <laughs> trooper and everyone gives us a load of stick for it but it's there every <laughs> event
0: um it's That's nearly amazing. killed me twice um <laughs> well that's that's less than the amount of times matt's almost killed me in the car i'll take those he
1: was thoughts. asleep he was asleep majority of the way he doesn't know where he it was it's okay <laughs> we were safe
0: so yeah that's uh, that, that's I'll we'll tell, we'll tell you what we we want to come up to cnp at some point and and do a vlog maybe meet some people meet you in person and, and yeah. see see where the magic happens and i think part of that's going to have to be seeing the van as well oh yeah we'll absolutely the see
2: list. the van take around the factory get to show you how products are made get you in all the hairnets beard snoods and nah, covers yes. and all that yeah for yeah. the full shebang
0: that's awesome mark we really really appreciate you coming on uh getting to know you getting to know cnp a little bit better as well uh thank you so much
2: no worries thanks for having me